All right, hello and welcome back to Unqualified Analysis. A little bit quieter version today because I am downstairs and trying to be a little bit more considerate of the people in the house. Uh, I'm your host, Caleb Verzak, uh, recording this on Tuesday morning, the day that y'all probably, I don't know about probably, but might hear this because it's going up, staring directly in a mirror. Very strange, very strange feeling, but just, it, it is what it is, just reality of the, the recording setup. Um, anyways... You may wonder why I'm recording this on Tuesday. Well, I went to uh, Mississippi State's bowl game. Hell of a win. Hell of a win. Love to see it. And what a, hell, what a hell of a way to send off Mike Leach and usher in a new era of Mississippi State football. Love to see it. Um, that being said, I'm going to get this right out of the way because I don't know where else we're going to put this in, in the recording. Um and I originally put it at the end because it, it looked like it was going to be a completely dire situation without any good updates. But um, gotten a few positive signs here over, I guess, last couple hours um, this this morning, basically. I'm sure it's going to change, uh, maybe not throughout the day, but something that's going to unfold over the next uh, several days. But yeah, DeMar Hamlin, you all probably know what I'm talking about already. I mean, I, I initially put... The Bills Bengals game right at the top of the show, expecting a fantastic matchup on the football field. But instead, we got a firsthand lesson on what can only be described as the fragility of life. Um, just under six minutes remaining in the first quarter, Bill safety Demar Hamlin made a tackle, got up, looked dazed before suddenly collapsing on the field. Um, anyone who saw the videos, yeah, that that was yeah, whew, that that was something right there, and that we didn't even see the worst of it on TV. Um, from that point, a nightmare unfolded before our eyes, but more accurately before the player's eyes. An ambulance was brought out basically immediately onto the field. CPR was reportedly administered for roughly 10 minutes, and uh, players of both teams had a front row seat for what can really only be described as, I mean, call a spade a spade. It was a waking nightmare. I mean, they formed a, a human wall between Hamlin and the cameras, but they saw some some truly horrific shit from... Uh, from, from the sounds of the descriptions of, of what was happening behind that that human wall there. And um, when he finally made it to the ambulance, next update from a local Cincinnati Fox reporter was that he had a pulse but needed an AED on the field or in the ambulance. Don't know which one, quite frankly. Either way, not good and could not breathe without the help of a ventilator at the time. Um, later, his friend and marketing rep, I believe someone who was probably at the hospital with him at the time, stated that he was being put into a medically induced coma, um, intubated him. As, that was as of last night, and that was the most specific information that we got. Also said his vitals were fine at that time. Most recent update I've got as of now and just this morning, basically, I think it was just a statement from uh, UC Hospital up there, is that Hamlin went into cardiac arrest on the field, so not a, not a head issue, thankfully, I guess. That's, I mean... If, if you want to find a bright spot here, I mean, there are others outside of the actual injury itself, but I mean, if you want to find a bright spot, I mean, I guess it, if, if it was a head injury, he's dead. I mean, no, no two ways about it. Uh, at least with a cardiac event, he's got a, got a chance either way. It's, it's not still doesn't, still doesn't look awesome either way. Um, no mention of head trauma, which is good. As of writing this, he is still in critical condition, and uh, the implication from UC Hospital is that he was still in a medically induced coma as of this morning. Um, all we can hope for is that this kid can live out the rest of his life. Even if it's a totally different life, if he's got some some serious impairments he's got to deal with for the rest of his life, I, even if it's completely different from what he had before, 
I mean, football is so far from, from the mind right now. I mean, the number one hope for me, and I think everyone else following the situation, is that he could just live some sort of life. I mean, 24 is just entirely too damn young. Um, with that, just getting that out of the way, don't have any more updates. So with that, I wanted to <laughs> get the sad stuff out of the way first because that was... I mean, really no no good place to put that. I could put it at the end if I just want to send you all off on a sad note, but I figure get this out of the way and then uh, let, you, let you all recover a little bit with some talk about football along the way. So with that, let us get out of the sad stuff. Um, not raising my voice, though, because I am still trying to be considerate of the people around me. Um, but yeah, let's, let's get into some football now, shall we? And uh, yeah, not not really sure how you transition from that into football, but here we are, uh, Vikings Packers. This was not fun to watch. <laughs> Existence is suffering, and life is pain. The, this game had me openly calling for someone to set me on fire, like the monk on the cover of that one Rage Against the Machine album. So yeah, your boy was down bad in a lot of respects, man. It was it was not good, not a good day for your boy. You got me again, Kirk. Though I mean, you built me up just to chop me down at the knees. And you know what? You add it on top of just a really bad day. If you followed the picks, you you understand my pain on that particular day. Um, the Saints set things up so beautifully for us. I mean, they beat the Eagles, which we'll talk about here in just a little bit. Might be some reason to worry about the Eagles going forward. But the boys just needed to take care of business. All they needed to do was beat the Packers, and we were just sitting pretty there for a one seed, possibly. And yeah, that that just didn't happen. We had a bad defense. Uh, that played bad, and Kirk Cousins was in classic and rare form. I mean, he looked like the old-school Kirk Cousins to a T, man, just throwing up bad balls left and right. And you know what? At least he's being aggressive, I suppose. And I I understand why he, he threw up some of those passes. Some of them were objectively terrible. I mean, no, no two ways about it there, but it's it's honestly, I would rather him throw up those passes than be checked down Kirk. Check down Kirk drove me absolutely insane. I I love aggressive Kirk Cousins more than just about anything else in this. Well, I'm not going to go that far because I love my dog and my family oh so very much. But seeing Kirk Cousins be aggressive is it's why we brought Kevin O'Connell in. So I don't I don't hate that at all. Uh, we just got shellacked. My analysis has not changed one iota uh, for what this team is. I am not some bright eyed, bushy tailed optimist here. I've never. I mean, I, ha I was when I was a kid, and then I watched the Saints come back from a 28-7 to deficit at halftime um, to send us home in the NFC Championship with maybe the best Vikings team in my lifetime. Then, probably the second best team, Vikings team, of my lifetime, the 13-3 and team that went to Philadelphia uh, the year that, you know, Philly Special, they won the Super Bowl, got shellacked. At least that one wasn't close. Never got my hopes up for that one. But uh, that was, that's all to say. I'm not... I'm not some bright-eyed, bushy-tailed optimist here, man. This team has holes that simply can't and won't be addressed until the offseason. That's just where we're at right now. The secondary stinks. Um, Harrison Smith and Patrick Peterson are literally the only things keeping us afloat, and they, there's only so much they can do, too. I mean, there's really there's so many holes up and down the defense, and then we saw we saw Green Bay gashing us on the ground, too. I mean, that Jordan Hicks and, uh, and Eric Kendricks are, are very good players. And obviously, we got two pass rushers in Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter. That could be a problem down the road. And, but in addition to that, I've said it before, basically specifically in re relation to Christian Derisaw, but if you don't got an offensive line in front of Kirk Cousins, it's over. I mean, 
We saw it with the Cowboys. We saw it especially in this one. I mean, every time I mean, in this one, Brian O'Neill went down, which I'm not even sure we're going to get him back. Kevin O'Connell described it as a, a significant knee injury, he, at the very least not getting him in Week 18. I would imagine it, some question as to whether he comes back for the wild card round of the playoffs. No updates on that as of as of right now. I'm sure uh, we'll get a little bit more on that as the week uh, and the following week unfolds for that matter. Um, but in addition to that, we uh, had Ole Udo out there. Um, I think, oh yeah, Garrett Bradbury was already out and then the the backup center got hurt. So we had third string center out there, Ole Udo playing the right tackle um, and we got just bodied accordingly. I, I know, don't know what else to say there. We are basically just a couple offensive line injuries away from getting just blown off the face of the earth at, on any given on any given day, pretty much, just because of how many holes the defense has. I I understand it. I mean, I we, we're going to have a home game in the first round of the playoffs. Um, depending on what happens with the with the 49ers, we may have a, another home game in the in the second round. No idea, really. I don't. I don't really know how how that's all going to work. Um, really, if we can just win one playoff game, I consider it. I consider it a uh, a good season. I didn't really expect a whole lot. This is the first year of the regime. I knew that there were some holes in the roster in the first place. Damn good from from top to bottom, but just needs a couple more pieces here and there. Oh, and I really didn't didn't even bring up an internet tab before I started recording here. So yeah, I just got no idea what all of that ended up being and really by what all that ended up being I mean um you know who the best player of the game was so yeah let me go look at this real quick um uh, Nick Mullins actually led the team in passing that would have been hilarious and a, a dark and, and sad way but either way hey five yards per carry on the ground I guess that's what happens when you're losing by like 30 the whole game but um right off top I'd say probably Aaron Jones 111 yards on the ground AJ Dillon I think he went out um, I don't know if he finished down the stretch of the game. Aaron Jones was just killing us. I think A.J. Dillon probably softened softened us up a little bit, but uh, Aaron Jones just absolutely cut through us. A hot knife through butter. Not awesome. He had 111 yards on the ground. Not not less yards than you would expect through the air, but when you're running that well on the ground, I mean, just short of eight yards per carry. I mean, that's, that's pretty much all you need there. Um, outside of that... Clark got a sack. Justin Holland's got a sack. Really, not a whole lot of notable individual performances on the defense. I guess Jair Alexander, if he he didn't really do it all on his own, but he did win this matchup with with Justin Jefferson. I think Justin Jefferson had what like one reception for 15 yards, and that happened in the first quarter. Or so, and especially with trying to come back the whole game, the fact that I mean they just went away from him and didn't come back. A little bit, a little bit uh, worrying to say the least. That you would just be so easily dissuaded from going to your your option on the entire football field and just forgetting about him the whole game. But that being said, great defensive job, great scheme and game plan by the Packers to give Jair Alexander some help over top. I I mean, that's what no one can cover Justin Jefferson in one on one. I don't care. I don't care what who you put in front of him. I don't care who the player is. They can't cover him. But simply not possible. So you got to You got to give help over top. I understand that great game plan on that front, I mean, on both sides of the ball, they just they just knew what buttons to press to absolutely dismantle us. So credit where credit is due. That being said, let's move on to a different game here. Uh, Panthers versus Bucks. And um, 
First off, I didn't really watch this game. All I know is the Panthers got out to a pretty good lead, and all of a sudden, they no longer had a lead at, at some point in this game, and I just, I don't know how it happened. Uh, I'm sure the game cast, it would be very informative for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, 14 nothing to start out with. To start the second quarter, I mean, like middle of the second quarter, they were 14 nothing. Then all of a sudden, I mean, Bucks just come alive, especially, I mean, quiet third quarter, but... Um, Start out the fourth quarter with a 21-10 lead to Carolina. So even then, got a two-score lead right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Then the wheels just fell off. I mean, three straight touchdown passes from Tom. Well, actually, two straight touchdown passes to Mike Evans. Long touchdown passes at that 57-yarder and a 30-yarder to Mike Evans. And then a rushing touchdown for Tom Brady, as everyone expected. I mean, still... It was a QB sneak, and he's maybe the greatest QB sneaker of all time, up until the, the common era where you had guys like Jalen Hurts who would, could squat like 600 pounds, basically running back legs with running backs pushing behind him and a great offensive line in front of him. That's probably the new uh, best QB sneaker of all time. But Tom Brady, I mean, it's it's one of his bread and butter plays. I mean, you got fourth and one or uh, goal line sort of situation at the one yard line. I mean, Tom Brady is a lethal short yardage option uh, with that QB sneak just because he knows how to find the hole in the defense. But hey, credit to them. Uh, they came back, got the win when it was all said and done. I mean, that final rushing touchdown by Brady put them up by two scores at that point, 30-21. to 21. Eddie Pinheiro got a field goal late to kind of get him back in it, so to speak, but didn't get the onside kick. Tampa Bay comes away with a win, 30-24, to 24, clinches the NFC South, and you know what? Someone had to win it, and the, like I said before, Bucks got the best roster in the division. I think they were flat-out outplayed in a lot of respects for three quarters in this one by the Panthers, but that being said, the the greatest quarterback of all time kind of won out in the end. That's, that's kind of what you expect in these sorts of situations. They will have a home playoff game, and we'll have to see what happens there, man. I mean, the question now is what are the reasonable expectations for the Bucks in the playoffs? I mean, they're pretty much guaranteed to play the Cowboys in the first round. So, got a puncher's chance there. And they're hosting the Cowboys. And I've said this time and time again. All they have to do is keep the game close until the last four minutes, basically, of the, of the game. And really just, if they can keep it, if they can get some points at the beginning, not the beginning, at the end of the first half, um and then just keep that momentum going in the second half, keep it close, or have a lead, God forbid, going into that final bit. If it's within a score, I would. if it's within a score and there's four minutes left in the game, my money's on Tom Brady and the Bucks. I don't care what the record is. I don't care how good the other opposing roster is, which it's, it's almost guaranteed going to be the Cowboys, who... They do have a better they do have a better roster top to bottom, but that defense has been terrible recently, and it's not really it hasn't really been getting a whole lot better. So I do think they've got a puncher's chance. And I even better than a puncher's chance, they got a home playoff game chance with the greatest quarterback of all time against a historic choking team in the Cowboys. I mean, the past 30 years, you can go back and look at since they lost their last or won their last Super Bowl, they have been, I mean, one of the most average teams in the entire league um, just by just by record you could say so they and they always seem to get to this point have a very good roster top to bottom and then something just falls apart this year it seems to be the defense that's falling apart last year it was the offense that fell apart down the stretch could it be both in this case because Dak has been just throwing some terrible in unexplainable passes down the stretch of the season and they just have this weird love affair with Ezekiel Elliott 
all that stuff could could come to bite them in the ass here. And I, I'm not betting on it per se, but this should be an even line when it when it gets to playoff time. Bucks and Bucks and Cowboys. The Cowboys might be favored on the road. I would, if anything, I think the Bucks might be favored at home in this one. So, I mean, that's that's an interesting one. I do think the Bucks can win a playoff game. They're going to go on the road in the second round, though, and most likely, I don't know if they'll face uh, two seed or one seed in that case. I would I would imagine they face the one seed, which at that point, good luck. You're facing Chiefs, Bills, or. Bengals pick your poison there it's it's not going to be good and you're facing them on the road at that so I think the Bucks can win a playoff game uh winning multiple getting to an an AFC champ an NFC championship rather and did I just say did I just say the the AFC standings I am a big dumb dumb here uh might <laughs> even worse you're either probably going to go on the road to the Eagles or you're going to go on the road to the 49ers which Going up against those uh, those fronts, the way they rush the passer, and with the advanced age of Tom Brady, good fucking luck. That is not going to be fun for the Bucks. Again, though, greatest quarterback of all time. He's gonna he can run a two minute offense from a damn wheelchair if he needed to. He's gonna have a puncher's chance in pretty much every playoff game he's in, just because of the the mere fact that he is in the playoff game. That's not enough for me to put any money on it. That's going to be an interesting uh, team to watch down the stretch. Also, interesting to watch this week what they decide to do with the starters. Nothing to play for this week, um, so be be a thing to watch. A um, lot of big numbers in this game as far as uh, notable performers. I mean, shout out to Sam Darnold. I mean, they didn't win, but I got to get Sam Darnold. He's been balling the last couple weeks, man. I mean, 341 yards in this one, uh, 9.2 yards per attempt, three touchdowns, one interception. He's putting up. He's putting up some of those USC numbers with Jack with actually um, probably a few less interceptions in that category. I mean, I I'm not going to be fooled by Sam Darnold again. I and, and he can run. He, I don't know what the I don't know what the hell the, the the racist Jets organization was doing by not running him a little bit more. But the dude can run. He can absolutely flat out fly if he need to, which is a big asset. And I think it's really helped out um, the way they've they've called plays around him with the Carolina Panthers. That being said, I know I know who Sam Darnold is. Credit where it's due, though. I think he's really earning some money as far because I think the, the biggest thing because I think he's going to be a career backup. I don't, call call a spade a spade. I don't really see him ever ascending to uh, another starting role and and kind of sticking with that starting <laughs> starting role for a long period of time. But what I think he does have is I think he's a very likable guy in the locker room. I think teammates really enjoy him. I don't know what his work ethic is as far as like film study and that sort of stuff. But if he can just be a good a good researcher for some starting quarterback and be just a, a good locker room vibes guy. I mean, Sam Darnold's a former number three overall pick. He'll stick around the league for 10, 15 years if he just does that. I mean, I guarantee you flat out right now, all he has to do is just be good in spots and be good at doing homework and keeping the morale high, and he can stick around for a long time. Credit to him. Also, um, Let's get to some winners, though. I mean, the running game was terrible on the uh, on the Tampa Bay side, but Tom Brady um, turned back the clock in this one, to, to use a cliche there right out the gate. Uh, 432 yards, 9.6 yards per attempt. Looks like, I mean, right around like 75% completion percentage. I'm not doing the math in my head because I'm lazy, but uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and uh, no lost fumbles either. I mean, damn near perfect game from Tom Brady. Uh, he can do this every once in a while, especially, I mean, hell, I want to say against a bad defense, but the Panthers have actually been maybe the best defense in the NFC South. I mean, Saints have been coming on late, but I mean, the Panthers, that, that's a hell of a defense to do this against. So um, 
I don't even think Tom Brady was the player of the game, though, because Mike Evans went absolutely insane. 10 receptions, 207 yards, uh, 20 yards per catch, three touchdowns in this one. I mean, absolute monster of all monsters. So, yeah, congrats to the butts. But, yeah, congrats to the big old butts for making the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to have to see what happens there. I honestly wouldn't be shocked if they won a game in the playoffs, quite frankly. So that's going to be one to watch next week and the week going forward. But with that, let's move on to the final uh, notable matchup before I just start getting into quick hits and telling you what all happened. Um, before that terrible Vikings game, I was pumped. Um, Saints-Eagles... Eagles not looking great. Saints coming in, giving them the hands. Now I'm just resigned to my fate um, for reasons that I went over earlier. Don't have to rehash that. The Saints D came out and gave the Eagles offense the hands. I mean, absolutely threw the clamps on them and did not let go. I'm not worried about the Eagles as a whole. Um, by the way, I think they lost 20 to 10 was the final score, something like that. They lost by two scores. It wasn't a good game at all is the thing. Um, that being said, they're on the verge of losing the one seed if they, if they lose again next week. So I lost my, lost my train of thought there. Had, had to pick it back up somewhere. If the NFC runs through Santa Clara, that's going to be a problem for the Eagles, man. And I don't, I think the best course, I mean, obviously big old dull alert, best, best course for them to go to a Super Bowl this year is going to be, um, home field advantage. I think that's pretty much true for just about every single team in the history of man. Uh, that being said, are they getting healthy at the right time or are the injuries they've sustained going to keep them from getting over the hump in the playoffs? That's the real question. And I honestly, you got to look at what they have coming back to. I mean, I know Lane Johnson is banged up, but even a banged up Lane Johnson is one of the best tackles in the entire league. Having him back is going to be big for the playoffs. Uh, Jalen Hurts, you don't love to see the SC joint sprain. That being said, it's not an AC joint sprain, and it's a uh, it's a it's a non-throwing shoulder injury. At least I think I, I could be wrong. It could be a throwing shoulder. I could be completely stupid. That's always a possibility. So I don't, I don't really know what the status is there. I would anticipate they're going to shoot that thing up for the playoffs and uh, let that thing ride, and he's going to be feeling like Gumby for four hours between uh, between kickoff and the end of the fourth or OT, however long it goes there. So. I think they're going to have a lot of the guys back, and I think a lot of this um, players not playing over the last couple weeks is that they just want to make sure they don't. I mean, they're they got 13 wins already. They don't need to push. They don't need to put pedal to the floor on this one. They can they can be strategic and let some guys get back. Again, though, and I said it before, people seem to just keep forgetting C.J. Gardner Johnson is probably coming back for the playoffs. And I think they opened up his practice window. I, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong there as well. But if CJ Gardner Johnson comes back for the playoffs, this is a completely different Eagles defense. I flat out go look at the numbers with him on and the numbers with him off, um, especially when it comes to running backs and tight ends um, out of the backfield there. It's a total game changer when he's out there. He, totally changes the numbers on the pass defense for the Eagles, and it allows, I mean, they already have the best pass rush in the league by about a mile. It allows them to be even more effective than they already were. I'm not particularly worried about the Eagles. As, as long as they contain, they, they get home field advantage, which not a guarantee, they could still lose that to the, to the 49ers this week if they're not careful. But even at the two seed, I think with, with C.J. Gardner-Johnson back in the lineup, that's going to be... 
that that's going to be a real real force to be reckoned with back there. That, I'm, that is one to watch going forward. And again, you you can make an argument the other way too. I mean, those the the injury to Jalen Hurts is not an insignificant injury. It's a shoulder injury to a quarterback that a probably the most integral part of his game, his best attribute, the thing that makes everything else about what he does at quarterback uh, so much easier is the fact that he can run and he can do so powerfully. And it's hard to do that when you got a fucked up shoulder. So, and again, this, and it's one of those shoulder injuries that it hurts every time you get hit on it. There are some shoulder injuries where you can just kind of like hide it and get away with it to a certain extent. Not an SC joint sprain from what I understand. It's going to hurt basically every time he gets he gets hit there. A lot about pain tolerance when this thing gets right down to it. Um, I'm not not too worried about him though. Like I said, um, biggest of the game, I guess, I mean, really is just not a, not a whole lot of, of high flying action here as far as um, the offense is concerned for the Saints. So I'll stay away from that. But hey, you had a, a stud on defense and a future Hall of Famer at that playing to the height of his powers. Cam Jordan, three sacks in this one. The Saints as a team, six on the day. Caden Ellis and Carl Granderson had a sack and a half as well to uh, to round out that, that that beautiful number six over there for the, uh, the the Saints defense as far as sacks are concerned. I mean, like I said, absolutely just dominated, dominated the Eagles offense, uh, dominated that offensive line. They need Lane Johnson back. Something fierce. I, I'll tell you that much right now. Um, with that said, I'm not really sure what else I can I can get to on this game. I mean, Gardner Minshew, he didn't play great, but he didn't shoot the team in the foot either, I suppose. I mean, he, I mean, 274 yards, 8.6 yards per attempt, one touchdown, one intercept. Um, he didn't put the team over the top. I'll put it that way. He didn't put the team over the top, but I think he did at the very least, uh, kind of keep them afloat. He didn't, he didn't totally kill the team. I think the main issue is, I mean, only 15 rushing attempts when you've got a backup quarterback in there to 32 passing attempts just doesn't make any sense whatsoever, especially when Miles Sanders is going for five yards a carry. I don't know why I don't know why you get away from the run game. That's my main gripe with what the uh, the Eagles did. But I digress. We are already 26 minutes. So we're actually making some good time on this one. Uh, Let's just get straight into the quick hits after I get a quick drink of Coke. And first off, we have got the Colts versus Giants. Uh, Giants cruise to a win, 38-10 over those lowly, sad Colts. Giants clinch a playoff berth, and Brian Dayball was pumped on the field. I mean, he was absolutely losing his mind out there. You love to see it. I love Brian Dayball, especially when he's not coaching against my Vikings. That being said, there's a good chance that they're the team that we host in the first round of the playoffs, so... That is a team that I am horrified to face. I don't care if it's at home or on the road. I am I am horrified to face a team like the like the Giants just because of they're going to turn it into a rock fight and basically a flip 50-50 shot as to whether we're going to win that rock fight if we get there. So, congratulations to the New York Giants on getting the job done, getting to the playoffs. No one expected it. I I lambasted that roster coming into the year, so I certainly didn't expect it. Um, that being said, I mean, kudos to him. Uh, player of the game, Daniel Jones. Not a not a, not huge numbers passing, but as usual, 
at least this season, efficient. 19 to 24, 177 yards, 7.4 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That is literally all you can from. No, no turnovers whatsoever on the day, especially when you account what he does on the ground. 11 carries, 91 yards, 8.3 yards per attempt, two touchdowns on the day for a total of four, including those two passing touchdowns. I mean, fantastic game from Daniel Jones, really earning, I don't know what the the contract is going to look like, but he's definitely earning himself a second contract after this prove-it year, basically, where they declined the fifth-year option, uh, told him, hey, you're going to have to show us something to stick around. I think he has certainly shown everything you need to see uh, to keep him around, and only question is, him and Saquon, do you do you franchise either of them? Um, do you get extensions? You try to get extensions with both of them, but are you forced to franchise either of them? What does the number look like on both of those extensions? You don't give Daniel Jones top of the quarterback market money. You give him maybe mid-level money and see if he can build around it from there, which even mid-level in the modern NFL, still approaching $30 million. So it's not like it's not like it's it's a bargain per se, just a relative bargain compared to what other starting quarterbacks are paid, but that is what Daniel Jones is. He is a starting quarterback. So, interesting to see what they do in the offseason. I'm scared we're going to have to face them in the playoffs. Just just give me one playoff win. That, that, that's all I care about at this point, but I digress. Let's move on to a different game. Uh, Niners versus Raiders, and Niners got the win in an unexpected barn burner. 37-34 in overtime. Kind of wish this one was on my TV instead of the Vikings-Packers game, quite frankly. Maybe I would have stuck around and watched all the football at that point because I I got depressed and started playing video games during the, the uh, middle of, actually, end of the third, probably beginning of the fourth, I just, you know, went into my, went into my depression hole back in the, uh, in, in the little gaming room in the house and just, just cried my little soul away. It was, it was not fun. It was not, not a good time. Either way, Derek Carr got benched. So Jarrett Stidham got the start. And now the question is, was Derek Carr the worst QB in the league or is Jarrett Stidham the second coming of John Elway? I mean, the dude balled out in this game. And let me, let me pull up the numbers just so I can give you an idea of how well this guy did. I mean, they were one of the highest scoring teams of the week this year, and he went 23 of 35 yards, three touchdowns to two interceptions, also seven rushes for 34 yards on the ground, just short of five yards per carry, uh, real weapons scrambling out of the backfield as well. I Maybe you can say probably that this was a a lack of film game where next week, um, whoever they play next week, I think it's the, think it's the Chiefs, going to have a little bit more of an advantage on that front. Um, that being said, I mean, better than what you're getting from Derek Carr, so might as well ride with it going forward, right? I mean, can't can't blame him for, for trotting him out there, I suppose. Kind of, I mean, pretty pretty clear they're trying to do Derek Carr dirty, but it is what it is, I suppose. Can't, can't really make the rules or um, do anything about it. Just got to kind of react to what you see in front of you. Stidham, Stidham bald in this game. I, again, I saw what I saw with the Patriots. I'm not going to overreact, but hey, he's cheap. Um, he can he can keep you from having to pay Derek Carr because I know that's that's always the goal with, with Mark Davis. I mean, he doesn't really have a whole lot of money, so he's got to pinch pennies when he can, especially when I don't, I don't want to pronounce a woman dead just yet, but... Um, She's like, his mother's like 90-some years old and um, technically owns the team, though Mark Davis is the, the chairman, the one that actually runs it. Um, sooner or later, his his mother is going to tragically pass away. I mean, she's lived a long, good life, so 
any any time is, is good for her. I'm, I'm sure she'll go when she is good and ready, quite frankly. Uh, that being said, I have questions on whether Mark Davis will be able to pay the inheritance tax on the uh, the team when he officially inherits it. So that's that's going to be one thing to watch. And another reason why you maybe don't want to don't want to fire the head coach you just got in and get out of a big big contract with your uh, starting quarterback when you can. I mean, maybe it's a bit of a scumbag move, but business is business in the NFL. That's just how it is conducted. And I almost made this game, getting back to the actual game itself, Niners Raiders, almost made this my underpick and <laughs> there were more than 70 points scored. Not that Dolphins Pats fared uh, any better for me. I mean, only slightly that it was, it was actually close. Gave me hope that they were going to hit the under at the very least. Um, that being said, now the Niners might take it. They take the two seed from the Vikings, which Fair, honestly, I think they're they're a better team. They're probably the best team in the NFC right now. They have the best defense in the NFL. They got a quarterback that not shooting them in the foot seems to have that it factor, moxie, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's good enough at not making mistakes and hitting guys that are open in the short to intermediate area to where he can basically just also got the 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 mobility to where he can just be a basically a souped up Jimmy Garoppolo when it's all said and done. You are seeing the effects of that, especially with a running back like Christian McCaffrey to take basically all the pressure off the kid. Uh, he's in basically the perfect situation, doing executing flawlessly to this point. Playoff atmosphere is different, so we'll have to see how that affects the young guy. But Niners are absolutely bulldozing teams right now. No team in the NFL is playing better than the Niners right now, outside of maybe the Chargers. And low-key, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just straight up say it just yet, but it, it, there's a of much larger than non-zero chance, well, well, you know what I'm saying, much better than 0% chance that uh, Chargers and Niners is your Super Bowl matchup there. I mean, there's a lot of teams that got to get through to get there, but there's no two teams in the NFL playing better than those right now, and the Chargers are legitimately the, the poster child for getting healthy at the right time. So that is, things are things are moving in both conferences here. Teams are getting hot late, and we are seeing which ones are probably going to make a run here. Um, Let's see if I can get to the actual numbers here. Oh, yeah, they're right in front of my face. Uh, Player of the game, Christian McCaffrey. That's pretty easy to see. Uh, 121 yards on the ground, 6.4 yards per carry, one touchdown on the ground. Also, 72 yards receiving on six receptions for a grand total of 193 yards from scrimmage on 25 touches in this game. Just an elite performance from Christian McCaffrey. Showing why this is this right here. This is the type of guy that you pay that big-time contract. There's a reason the Panthers gave him that contract, and it's because he was worth every single penny because a guy like that. Not all running backs deserve a big contract. I would I would argue that very few actually do. He is one of them. You, you only pay a running back if he can absolutely change the dynamic of an offense. Saquon Barkley can do that. Christian McCaffrey does that. Alvin Kamara has done that in the past, but who, who's to say that that continues? You pay those guys top dollar, and then... Basically, all the other running backs, they're, they're I don't want to say replaceable, but, you know, kind of kind of replaceable to a, to a certain extent um, by young, hungry backs in the mid-rounds of the draft, pretty much. So, with that said, um, hey, shout out to Devontae Adams, though. Seven receptions, 153 yards, two touchdowns. Tough season he's had uh, with inconsistent usage and production, but he is... He absolutely monster. Still one of, if not the best receiver in the game. Him and just him, Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill, right, 
neck and neck with each other. It's those three right at the top and then a gulf between everyone else, unless I'm forgetting someone off the top of my head. Um, that being said, outside that, interestingly enough, no sacks from the San Francisco defense. Uh, Nick Boza basically, I mean, had five QB hits, so not a no-show, but zero tackles in this game. Um, solid job by, um, by Josh McDaniels trying to, I mean, scheme around that. I mean, that was obviously an effort there because I, I'm assuming... <laughs> I'm assuming in a normal situation, especially with Derek Carr back there, San Francisco gets a few more than zero sacks. But credit to Josh McDaniels where it's due. Good, good sort of game plan from the protection. Didn't allow pressure on the young QB. And I'll tell you what, you got a hell of you got a passing clinic as a result outside of those two interceptions, though. I digress. Um, that being said, I think we pretty much wrung the juice out of that apple there. Or, orange, whatever the hell you're trying to juice at this particular moment. Uh, let's move on to Steelers-Ravens and uh, classic Steelers-Ravens game. What, what more can I even say? Both, I mean, it was just back and forth, came down to the very end, and the under even hit, which, I mean, the line was set at like 36 points, I'm fairly certain, so hilarious that the under hit, but it did. Um, the Ravens took a seven-point lead into the fourth, but the Steelers' defense tightened their grip further from there, did not allow a single point in the fourth. Meanwhile, Kenny Pickett and the, the offense came alive during that stretch. Chris Boswell hit a field goal to make it 13-9. Then later in the fourth, Kenny Pickett and Najee Harris orchestrated an 11-play, 80-yard drive with Harris finishing the job by punching in the go-ahead touchdown with under a minute remaining. Steelers come back to win a thriller in M&T Bank Stadium, 16-13. And now all they've got to do is beat the Browns at home in Pittsburgh to secure Mike Tomlin's 16th straight non-losing season. What more can I even say about that? I mean, that that is a, that's an accomplishment that speaks for itself. But let me just again give you context. This team started three and seven this year. They're now eight and eight. I mean, just do the quick math there. Five and one over the last six. They could go six and one over the last seven and get a get a winning season. And in fact, they are favored to do so this week. And that's one of one of the tastier bets on the dock. Give you a little quick sneak preview of the picks. That being said, might be a kiss of death for them, uh, given how my picks have gone over the past week or so. Um, maybe this is a bounce back week, though. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Any, anyways, anyone trying to run this man out of town, which there were multiple, don't don't sit here and act like there weren't people all over Twitter and in the stands saying get rid of Mike Tomlin because he can't hire an offensive coordinator. You've only been barely above 500 over the past couple years or at it at the very least. Um, anyone saying those sorts of things uh, just needs to be flogged and ridiculed aggressively at this point. I mean, you just you you just aren't in touch with reality. So you need to be taught a little bit of lesson on that reality. Mike Tomlin just. Hire a, hire a good offensive corner. Get Matt Canada out of town because if you don't, he's going to take your job. Not not take your job in, in that he's going to take your place as the head coach. Take your job as in he's going to get you fired. So fire him before he fires you. That's that's basically the, the simplest I can put it. You've, you've tried all sorts of different ways with Matt Canada. It is just simply not working. There are a few good concepts that you can keep into the next regime if you want to, but Overall, the offense, it's a college offense, and you can't really run a college offense in the NFL without modifying it a little bit, making it a little bit more complex for these defenses. And that's just, was never really able to do that. Just a bunch of short, just a check down offense, pretty much. So, um, yeah, keep Mike Tomlin, probably get a better offensive coordinator, especially with how well Kenny Pickett has been playing down the stretch. I mean, he has been 
the best of the uh, the class thus far, uh, unless there's someone I'm forgetting. I mean, really wasn't a great class of quarterbacks in the first place, but Kenny Pickett has shown more poise than just about anyone else, except for maybe maybe Desmond Ritter over the past couple weeks. His progression, with having not gotten any first-team reps up until like three weeks ago, is insane. And you're seeing a jump every single week. We'll get to him in just a second. But best performance of the game in this one, if I can pull that up right quick. Um, da, 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 da. Yes, 16-13 is the final score. Steelers got the win. Um, player of the game, really not a great performance as far as numbers from Kenny Pickett, but that backfield absolutely just diced up the Baltimore Ravens, which is insane considering the strengths of this Ravens defense. Um, that being said, 22 carries for 111 yards for Najee Harris, 5 yards per carry, 12 carries for 76 yards, 6.3 yards per carry for Jalen Warren. Um, no rushing touchdowns on the ground, but Najee Harris did have that that one touchdown late. Um, two two receptions, 12 yards and a touchdown there uh, to seal the game. He is my player of the game, I think, Najee Harris, unless there is a, a defender that absolutely took the show, which... T.J. Watt, shout out, got a sack and two tackles for loss, three QB hits uh, to boot on that one. But, I mean, Najee Harris was the straw that stirred the drink in this one. Kenny Pickett did just enough uh, to help this team win down the stretch. I mean, I I don't, I mean, this did... <laughs> To say I love the Steelers team, it's it's more of an emotional love than actual love of what I see on the football field. But I would I would run through a wall for Mike Tomlin, and I love everything about how this team is coached. Coached, they're going to be just fine in a couple years. They got to they got to make some additions on the outside, get probably one more receiver out there, uh, revamp the offensive line, and they're going to be good to go. But because that defense. It's studded with future Hall of Famers. No way to put it. No other way to put it. That's just what the Steelers are right now. They get even a semblance of an offense. They'll be right back in the playoffs as soon as next year if if that, that comes down to it. Uh, that being said, let's move on to a different game here real quick. Uh, Browns versus Commies staying in the AFC North with the exception of those sad, sad, sad Commies. Uh, Browns didn't look great, but lucky for them, they were playing Carson Wentz. And, uh, you know... You can you can go into the the vagaries of why Carson Wentz is starting and speculate on that if you want to. I would just encourage you to go look at the contract details of Taylor Heineke in relation to win bonuses and all that stuff, and look at the contract of Carson Wentz. Um, Dan Snyder is not involved in the day-to-day operations, if you if you believe uh, what the suspension told us, but this feels like a very Dan Snyder move. That being said, Browns win 24-10. Commies are eliminated from the playoffs, and Ron Rivera had no idea that was a possibility today. Uh, Packers won, which eliminated them from the playoffs. Ron Rivera had zero idea, according to his own words, and either Dan Snyder didn't want to pay Taylor Heineke his bonuses, or Ron Rivera is the most unaware coach of all time. So... My money is on the former, to be honest, but I question whether that will be enough to, for Rivera to keep his job at the end of the day. This is, and I know, I know Snyder's on the way out the door, and maybe he's not so involved in the the, the, the coaching hires and firings anymore. I'm skeptical of that. That being said, this is this is a classic Dan Snyder playbook. You. <laughs> You make a, make a money-motivated move down the stretch that, that tanks the team, and then someone's got to be the fall guy. So it, it looks like they're going to try and fire a very well-respected head coach, which some of the stuff, some of the decisions he's made on the field have justified it to a certain extent. But 
we all know that the decisions on the field are, are why this is happening. It's it's all basically Dan Snyder doing Dan Snyder stuff, basically. But what else is new? Uh, let's look at some notable performers. That, uh, that nasty, nasty man, Deshaun Watson, still stinks, so I don't really need to talk about him right now. But do need to point out, he hasn't been good at all. Three touchdowns in this one, but went 9 of 18. Um, maybe you get a different offensive coordinator in there, uh, get a different head coach or whatnot, and that might improve. That being said, um, don't need to talk about him right now. Not the player of the game in my book. Um, for me, I mean, who else could it be? Just looking at that stat line, Amari Cooper. Get a load of this shit. Um, shout out to that, that old segment that's kind of dead at this point. Uh, three receptions, 105 yards, 35 yards per catch, two touchdowns on those three receptions. What a performance from Amari Cooper and Got to throw in a defensive player as well. I mean, Miles Garrett, shout out, second on the team with eight total tackles, a sack and a half in this one. What does that bring his season total to? 15 sacks on the year, fourth in the NFL right now. I mean, he is absolutely wrecking shopping. What else is new? Uh, Miles Garrett might be setting up to maybe, maybe take the, uh, the, num- the mantle as the number one sack getter of all time. I mean, Bruce... Bruce Smith, I mean, that's the bar is set there. Over 200, I think it might be 200 flat sacks in his career over the course of 20 seasons, which averaging 10 sacks a season for 20 seasons is just, it's mind-boggling to me. It makes no sense. Also, they before they kept sat, sack stats, Deacon Jones was throwing people's heads into the ground, pissing on their face, and getting like 300 sacks a year. Okay, they didn't they didn't keep the... They didn't keep stats back then for sex, so I don't know what to do with that. That being said, Miles Garrett already setting up his career to maybe go chase that record when it's all said and done. Uh, very interested to see how his career unfolds, quite quite frankly. He is him that he is on this terrible, terrible team all the time. Uh, also, shout out Grant Delpit. Two interceptions in this one. Um, I think, what does that bring his total season to? I mean, four on the season after two in this game. Uh, just a solid, solid uh, get-back game for him. Um, and I, I assume Carson Wentz threw him a few gifts. I mean, don't need to go through his entire uh, stat line here, but three interceptions, no touchdowns, 5.1 yards per attempt. That's all you need to hear right there. Um, outside of that, no need to no need to spend too much time on this sad, sad game. Let's move on to a different sad game. Um, but it was at least close. Dolphins versus Patriots. By God, this Pats team is painful to watch at times, but they just keep eking out wins, man. I have no idea. I mean, they... If Bill Belichick wasn't the coach of this team, this is one of the worst teams in the entire NFL. I mean, you got Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator. I mean, the defense is solid. Give them that. I mean, they got some got some solid talent on the on the uh, on the outside, on the inside over there. But that offense is so goddamn bad. I mean, they they win in Foxborough in an ugly one, twenty three to twenty one. But man, man is man are the Patriots painful to watch man Dolphins have lost five straight though and no longer control their destiny to get in the playoffs RIP to the under and RIP to Teddy Bridgewater's finger uh we have got Skylar Thompson finishing off this game and likely finishing off the season in the final start of the year versus the Jets who are starting Mike White so we got the barn burner matchup, quarterback matchup of the century, Mike White versus Skylar Thompson next week. That's going to be, wow, if you like points, don't watch that game. Um, that being said, not going to spend a whole lot of time on this one. I mean, the Patriots are who they are. They might sneak into the playoffs. That being said, they're not winning the division. They're going to have to go on the road to somebody and give them a puncher's chance. Got Bill Belichick back there. Uh, that being said, 
they're probably like the least talented team in the in, in the entire AFC playoffs picture, uh, and that's including um, well, actually, Titans are a worse team than them. Objectively, Titans are a worse team than them. But if the Jaguars make it, that's a better team than the Patriots right now, flat out. So that that should be interesting to see how that works out in the playoffs. Um, don't don't have a high degree of optimism if you can't tell from my tone of voice there. Um, Let's see if I can actually find this game. I just have a bad habit of never pulling the games up when I'm talking about them. Just, you know, looking at the outline. Uh, that being I mean, I guess Mac Jones was the player of the game. <laughs> uh, I mean, 20 of 33, 203 yards, only 6.2 yards per attempt, but two tutties, no interceptions, no fumbles lost. Didn't turn the ball over, so I guess there's that. Um, that being said... I mean that's just that's that's just kind of how the, the the Patriots play, man. This <laughs> there's no one that you really look at on the stat sheet and say, yeah, that's a star in this game. That is that is someone that just took over this game and had a day. I mean the the next closest guy I could imagine is maybe Tyquan Thornton because he had 20 yards per catch, but three three catches for 60 yards. Um, yeah, that's. That that right there tells you just about all you need to know about this Patriots offense. It is just a it is just a mess over there. It is it is not fun to watch. Um, shout to Kyle Duggar though. I think he's probably my player of the game. Uh, pick six. That was basically the difference in this game. One of two interceptions by that Miami defense. Um, and yeah, that's my player of the game, Kyle Duggar, because no one else is really worth a damn on that Patriots team as far as as far as well. I there's a lot of players in the defense that are more than worth a damn. They are very, very good on that defensive side of the ball. Offensively, it is just it's just terrible and it's not gonna get any better. Uh that being said, let's move away from that to let's let's go to some more sadness. Cowboys versus Titans. Um, Cowboys get an easy victory despite the absence of Tony Pollard, 27 to 13. That being said, hey, maybe the lack of Tony Pollard in there just made them a lot more unambiguous about just just sucking off Ezekiel Elliott and giving him all carries in the world. Either way, 27-13 is the final over the crumbling Tennessee Titans, who still can make the playoffs uh, with a win next week. But let me tell you what, pick the Titans. Uh, Pick the, not the Titans, but pick the over in this game at 39 and a half. Good on that front. Got 40 points. Problem was, I, I placed the bet at 40 and a half. So, I hit that magic sweet spot where I still got the pick right on the podcast, but, uh, you know, lost money in real life. So, that's that just kind of tells you where I'm at in the uh, in the gambling world right now, folks. It is it is, a, it is a tough time. Might be, might be full-on fade Caleb season, but you never know. I might might bounce back. I'm not fading myself, so if you want to fade me, go right ahead. I couldn't blame you, though. Uh, I mean, I get that the Cowboys are a very good team, but they, they just look... They, they just took a shit right on the midfield logo and rubbed the Titans' face in it without Tony Pollard in the lineup. And again, I get that Tannehill is on IR, and Malik Willis isn't nearly the player some thought he might be. I mean, just looks totally out of his element when trying to pass the ball in an NFL offense. I mean, fantastic athlete, but just does not look like an NFL quarterback. Um, and Derrick Henry was out to boot. But, my God, this this game versus the Jags might be a long day at the office. And right now, the last I checked, line was 6.5 in favor of the Jags. I'm, I'm staying away from that one because it's... To, this is a winner go home game. I think you're going to get the best game uh, out of the Titans in this one. So, I'll stay away from that one. But that just shows you 
how much better Vegas sees the Jags uh, than the than the Titans right now. And yeah, it, it, that might be a long day at the office next week for that that Jags Titans game on Saturday night. At that, I mean, no no other conflicting time schedule. We got Titans versus Jaguars. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that that matchup uh, would get Week 18 spotlight? I guess I thought it early in the season. Went off that take in the middle of the season. Got back on it late in the season. So we'll we'll say like I'm three quarters of a genius on that one. I did back off the take, but I was right in the initial first place. So I do get, I do have to be docked points uh, for for being a spineless little jellyfish and then just getting off it immediately. But. I, I should get points for being right in the first place. So there, there we are. Either way, um, just talking in circles now. So let's just look at player of the game. Cowboys versus the Titans. Um, not not Dak Prescott. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say C.D. Lamb. Uh, hell, Dalton Schultz is a, uh, as a, a really... The guy that got the points, so I guess you could probably give him the player of the game. C.D. Lamb did uh, all the dirty work as far as getting all the, the receptions, but seven receptions, 56 yards, and two tutties for Dalton Schultz finishing things off. The two touchdowns, only two touchdowns that Dak Prescott threw. C.D. Lamb, on the other hand, 11 receptions, excuse me, 100 yards, 9.1 yards per catch. No touchdowns, but chain mover all day in this offense. That's what he's been all season. Um, Dak Prescott, again, three turnovers in this one. That is going to come back to bite them in the ass. Um, and he, it wasn't like he was efficient with those those three turnovers either. He he has just been giving up turnovers left and right. And it is, it is not a tenable situation over there. I will put it to you that way. Um, got got to figure out how to uh, how to cut down the turnover. I, I, that's the main thing. I, I've, I've said it before. It's going to it's going to bite him in the ass. It's. If if he turns the ball over like that versus the Bucks, mark my words, they will lose. Absolutely, that not a not a chance that it, if you keep it within a score. Like I said, if you keep it within a score with Tom Brady, I my money's on Tom Brady flat out. Whether they're ahead or behind, my money is on Tom Brady in that situation. But yeah, I mean, Ceedee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, hats off to you. You really carried the team. Two point seven yards per carry on the ground. I mean, Zeke Elliott getting all those carries, nineteen this time, only thirty seven yards. Um, I don't still think they're probably going to give him that that amount of carries whenever uh, Tony Pollard gets back in the lineup. So it is what it is. I digress though. Let's move on because uh, we got still a, a couple games left to go here. So let's 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 hit the gas right quick. Um, Texans or Jags versus Texans. I can just roll right through this one. Jags, by the way, are rolling on their own, and the Texans could stand in their couldn't stand in their way. Quite frankly, they beat the brakes off the current number one pick in the NFL draft. 31-3, Texans stink, Jags look poised to win this division next week versus the Titans, I already talked about that, so I won't belabor that point, but also shout out to the Texans for making, for, for maybe going one and done with two straight black coaches, real agents of change out there in Houston, I'll tell you what, can't wait for them to stop fucking around and hire Josh McCown like they've wanted to the past like three seasons, but haven't for some reason, so he can just be as bad, be just as bad, rather, excuse me, but get multiple years because you know why. You you know why. He's just, he's a, he's a guy that the owner can have, the owner and the GM can have a conversation with. They just couldn't couldn't relate to Lovey Smith or David Culley for reasons that they won't come out and tell you, but you know why. Uh, either way, worst franchise in the whole league. Absolute joke, this Texans team. Um, not even going to get into best performances, though, because we are already, I mean, almost an hour into this thing, and we need to, we need to get, got like, 
a bunch more games. No, no buys this week. So I gotta, I gotta be snappy on this stuff. Uh, either way, Cardinals, Falcons, uh, Falcons win a thriller in Atlanta, twenty to nineteen. Youngway Koo bangs through the game winner as time expires. Cap and a drive orchestrated by rookie quarterback Desmond Ritter, and wasn't a breakout performance from Desmond Ritter, but he's already showing more poison, consistent accuracy passing the ball than Mariota ever did and ever has in his entire career. Quite frankly, he has been lights out. Well, not lights out. That's a bit of a, an, an exaggeration, but he has shown steady improvement every single week. Again, not flashy numbers here, but 19 to 26, 169 yards, six and a half yards per attempt, but no touchdowns, no interceptions. Did lose a fumble, so got to knock him there, I suppose. That being said, he he orchestrated that drive down the stretch that won this game for the Falcons, and he's only getting better. He's gotten demonstrably better every single week he's been in there at at some point, whether it is in the last week of this season or whether it's in week one of next season, because I do think they're going to roll with um, with Desmond Ritter going into next season. At some point, he's going to have one of those breakout games where he he's going to show you his potential to be an NFL starting quarterback. I didn't necessarily love him in college, but working under a coach like Arthur Smith, who obviously very skeptical in the first part of the season, but I think he's really he's grown to see the benefits of having Desmond Ritter in there as opposed to Marcus Mariota. I think having Arthur Smith there, it's huge for Desmond Ritter. I think he can really turn into a solid starting quarterback, and especially with the augmentation of this running game mixed into that. This could be a very lethal offense come next season if they just get, I mean, just any semblance of a receiving core. Get get Pitts healthy, figure out how to how to use him in the offense in the first place, and just find find a way to, find a way to make this offense work because you got a great mind calling this thing in Arthur Smith. Uh, that being said, don't want to spend too too much time in this one. If if this had been a breakout out game, uh, my pick would have been right on the money. But. Um, uh, as it is, this this was just another in a long, long string of losses this week, man. Uh, both publicly and in private bets. I'll tell you what, the, the the Titans bet, the personal bet that lost that was a that was a, a a foreboding omen for what the rest of the weekend was about to be. It was not fun, guys. Um, everything else lost after that. I'll, I'll I'll cut out the middleman and stop stop beating out around the bush. Everything lost, and life is pain. Uh, shout out, shout out to the Falcons for winning this. Though. I, I'll just, I'll just move on in that. Hey, also shout out, probably my player of the game, Cordero Patterson, um, eighty-four yards um, total through on the day. Uh, Tyler Algier also eighty-three yards in the ground, four point two yards per carry. But Cordero Patterson, fifteen touches, eighty-four total yards from scrimmage, got a touchdown as well. Just showing, showing the versatile nature that has extended his career to this point. Love you, Cordero Patterson. Always going to be a Viking in my mind. That being said, wrong about all the juice I can out of this one. Let's move on to another terrible one: Bears versus Lions. Um, we we had a, a quick break there talking about the the Cardinals Falcons playing a good game. Let's get back to the bad game, shall we? Lions just beat the holy hell out of the Bears. 41 to 10. It was a fun over bet until it wasn't. I mean, it was it was great for the first half and the start of the second half. And uh, yeah, added to the laundry list of L's I took this week, man. And I just want to take a second to say, because I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in this actual game proper, but uh, fuck the Bears, man. That That's flat out the, the the basis of what I'm trying to get out here. Fuck the Bears. Uh, you couldn't get one one damn field goal in the second half. Just one. Just, just one score of some kind. I mean, 
You, you went into the half with 10 points. You ended with 10 points. You had all sorts of opportunities throughout the second half, and you just couldn't couldn't convert one of them. And for some reason, you just forgot that Justin Fields could run the ball. That's that's an interesting development. I don't know why you don't know why you did that, but here we are. Here we are. It's, it's the over is dead. My picks suck, and life is a waking nightmare. That's what else is new. Also, football back to football. The Packers and Lions play a basically winner home winner go home game next week. There's a few implications. We gotta wait and see for the Lions. I don't know the exact games they're watching. I think it I think it has to do with the Seahawks uh, or something like that. I think if the Seahawks have to lose um, for that final game to be a winner go home type of situation. Uh, so that should be fun, I suppose. Um, that that being said, life is pain. Gambling is not fun sometimes. Um, not even really going to go into player of the game here. I mean, it's this it's terrible game. <laughs> Lions player, we'll, we'll say Jared Goff or Jamal will actually, I remember now, Jamal Williams had like 144 yards in the ground, so that is my player of the game. How about that for just pulling information straight out of my ass and just regurgitating onto the, uh, the screen? You're welcome. Uh, either way, let's move on to the next game. We have got Broncos versus Chiefs, and Chiefs win another high-scoring affair with the Broncos, 27-24. Seahawks currently own the third pick in the draft, courtesy of those Denver Broncos who just can't find a way to win, damn it. Uh, let's not overreact to the Chiefs going up against an interim uh, head coach performance bump, though. This, You may be worried that they gave up this many points to the Broncos, but it that. The interim head coach bump is real. Also, by the way, feels bad for Hackett to bring in Jerry Rossberg uh, to help with the clock management in the middle of the season after the season started, then having Rossberg take his job through the end of the season as the interim. That is, that's tough. <laughs> that is tough. Talk about snake in the grass sort of stuff there. I'm not sure it was, it was Rossberg's plan to come in and take Nathaniel Hackett's job, but that's kind of how it turned out, man. Not, not awesome. Not awesome. I, no, no bad things to say about Jerry Rosberg, but man, that's that's a tough, that is a tough sort of situation for Nathaniel Hackett there to watch. Uh, Broncos scored on them last time too, so this might just be a terrible secondary matchup for the uh, for the Chiefs in this one, which a lot of teams are a terrible secondary matchup, quite frankly, for the Chiefs. Um, worth studying the two games of tape if you're if you're going to game game plan against the the Chiefs, uh, trying to score some points on them in the playoffs, but the interim. Interim head coach bump is real, absolutely real. I would anticipate some sort of slide. Um, actually, no, they're at the end of the season, so maybe maybe they can ride that interim head coach bump into Week 18. That being said, this is a lot of interim head coach stuff that the rah-rah stuff will wear out at some point. The good thing is it probably won't wear out until the season is over for him, so that's good at the very least. Uh, don't look now, though. I think the sudden deluge of criticism aimed at Russ um, after Nathaniel Hackett's firing Finally, might have galvanized his team around him. I think he don't look now. I feel like <laughs> it's been a been a bad sort of season as far as criti- not criticism. Well, yes, criticism, but internal criticism, I suppose you could say. Just chemistry with the team, specifically between Russell Wilson, that offense, and the defense. Uh, with pretty obvious to see why there is tension there, given how good the defense is and how bad the offense has been. Noticeably little support from the defense, but lots of guys defended Wilson on social media. Um, Garrett Bowles, Jerry Judy, um, I think KJ Handler might have come out. I don't know. He's had some. He's had some differences. In the, actually, I think KJ Handler one, was one of the guys to come out and say, "Hey, we we still love the guy." Which, right or not, I, I don't know. Um, but to me, I mean, outside of the social media stuff, I mean, that's just, just kind of what you have to do to keep the team together. I don't really put a whole lot of stock in that. That's just kind of. 
what you needed to do. I would I would find it more noteworthy if they didn't put out those statements. I'll put it to you that way. Um, that being said, what what really caught my eye was Wilson had an emotional press conference post game. I mean, not not just like that rehearsed didn't didn't feel like that robot Russ were used to. It felt like a genuine show of gratitude and emotion, which noted departure from that that usual, like I said, robotic demeanor in, in conferences, at press conferences. I mean, he's got it feels like he's got. 1500 answers just loaded into his head and every time like a video game every time he gets a, a question um he goes back in the archive sees if he has a, a stock answer to the place there that can answer the question without actually answering the question and then he just lets that thing roll i mean just just cues it up lets it roll that's not what we saw here it feels like feels like he actually spoke from the heart in this press conference that's that's what i'm getting at here this might be the rock bottom that spurs change for russell wilson the broncos fortunes I've heard rumblings, rumors, that is, that Russell Wilson is looking to completely overhaul his entire routine this offseason, which could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. I think in in light of the terrible season he just had, that's what needed to happen. So I'm not sure it's going to change things next season, but the fact that he recognizes that things need to change and that he needs to be better and seems to be taking a little bit of responsibility and self-awareness from all this, that's pretty much all you can ask for. I think this might be this might be good for the Broncos and their fortunes. It all just kind of comes down to who they hire as the next head coach, though. They're going to need like a a legit offensive mind in there. You can't you can't just be trotting out of Nathaniel Hackett hoping that Aaron Rodgers comes to town. You need a legit, very good offensive coordinator, a guy that can build an offense around Russell Wilson and his strengths and noticeable weaknesses. You can you can go look at it uh, over over the course of his career. They are what they are. He doesn't throw over the middle at all. It, that that's just what he does. Um, but you need a guy that can scheme around that sorts of stuff for them to be successful. Uh, that being said, not going to spend too, too much time on this one. Broncos stink. Chiefs are maybe the best team in the entire AFC right now. Chargers, though, watch them. They are, they are dangerous right now. Um, up next, Jets versus Seahawks and another game where I just absolutely stunk up the picks, picked the over and didn't even get close. Uh, Seahawks kind of stink, but you know what? still better than the Jets. Jets stink that much worse. Uh, Seahawks win comfortably 23-6 to to keep their playoff hopes alive while snuffing out the Jets' playoff hopes in turn. And like I said, Jets are officially eliminated from the playoffs. A win next week versus the Rams and a loss or tie by the Packers versus the Lions would put the Seahawks in the playoffs. So, Conversely, I would imagine a loss by the Seahawks would give the Lions just about everything to play for in that Sunday night game. That should be a fun one to watch, just crossing my fingers and hoping pretty much on that one. Um, I'm not going into player of the game. Probably Kenneth Walker, if I had to guess. <laughs> if I had to go out there and guess one, probably Kenneth Walker. But final score, 23-6 to in this one. Uh, up next, we got Rams versus Chargers. And this will round out the uh, the game summaries I've got for you. Um why not cap off a terrible day of picks by being emphatically wrong, you know? Why not? Chargers absolutely dismantled the Rams 31-10 to in Joey Bosa's return to the lineup. Oh, yeah, remember when I said that Joey Bosa probably wasn't going to play in this one? He played half the snaps. Cool. Awesome. That, that's fun, I suppose. I love being wrong. Just love stepping right in front of a freight train and just getting, just flattened like a pancake right there. I mean, arms getting cut off by the tracks and stuff. I mean, just eviscerated by that freight train that did not even break one iota before running me over. The carriage officially has turned into a pumpkin for the Rams right now. Um, saw a lot of what uh, what Baker made, why he's been moved by two different teams at this point. Um, 
the Chargers really didn't have much to play for, but it didn't matter. They bulldozed the Rams, absolutely ran them off the field in L.A. in the battle for L.A., really, which I think is going to go very, very well, uh, very long way for this fan base. And they're L.A. fans. They're they're front runners to a fault, pretty much. If you're not winning, they're not going to show up. But if you keep winning like the Chargers are, fans are going to start showing up more for you than they are the Rams. That's just how this thing works. It's an ongoing competition that can flip basically overnight if one team stinks while the other one is good. So that's that's pretty much the most interesting part about this game. I went over it last week, so I'm not going to belabor the point, and I've touched on it a couple times here, but for once, the Chargers are the poster child of the uh, of the adage getting healthy at the right time, and they have never, ever, I mean never, ever been in that position. They have been the exact opposite, where they are banged up to the worst possible, and they were, they've, they paid their dues throughout the season on that. They were banged up for the entire season. And this is what this is the benefits you get for staying afloat with Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley, Austin Eckler carrying the team for most of the season. You get to the playoffs and you look up Rashawn Slater is slated to maybe come back. Uh Joey Bosa is getting back in the lineup now. You are getting healthy at the right time and still got Khalil Mack out there. You got those two rushers bookending each other. That's maybe the best tandem in the entire league right now. So these Chargers with that offense with I, I didn't even touch on Keenan Allen Mike Williams that they are the most dangerous team in the AFC right now mark my words I think they're going to go deep in the playoffs I don't know if they get to the Super Bowl but they got a real shot at going to the AFC championship this year mark my words this is a team that can really turn some heads and make some eyeballs pop this year um, that being said, Austin Eckler was the play of the game. I don't even know, I don't even need to look at the stats to know that Austin Eckler was the play of the game. He had like two or three touchdowns in this one, one of them being a long, long run early in the game. And I mean, good for him, man. He's been just stonewalled at the line of scrimmage all year. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm glad he was able to finally get a productive rushing performance in addition to what he does out of the backfield. He needs more credit for how good he is at what he does. He is a top five back in the entire league. I think definitely one of those guys that if you get the opportunity, I don't know, he gets a lot of reps and gets a lot of hits on that body, but he's the type of running back that I think you pay big bucks because he legitimately changes the math for a defense with what he does with his hands out of the backfield. He's basically, I'm calling him discount Christian McCaffrey is a little bit disrespectful, but I'm not trying to disrespect the man. I'm more just trying to, to emphasize how good Christian McCaffrey is. Austin Eckler basically does everything Christian McCaffrey does uh, at just a little bit low. I mean, one small iota of a lower level than uh, than what Christian McCaffrey does. He is, he is so damn good. Uh, that being said, my player of the game there. Let's look ahead to week 18 real quick and a couple games I want to highlight here. A lot of them are kind of stinkers call a spade a spade. There's a lot of games where starters aren't going to be playing. A couple good record matchups, I suppose, but again, that's where a lot of the starters probably aren't going to be playing. I think there's a lot... It's week 18, so a lot of these teams that you saw clinch playoff spots over the last couple weeks ain't going to play any of their starters this week. I mean, they're they're resting them up for the stretch run. I would imagine Jalen Hurts is healthy. Um, They got something to play for over there, but even then... I would be more. I would be shocked if they they started Jalen Hurts. I think they probably are going to make everyone think that Jalen Hurts might start, but I think at the last minute, Nick Sirianni is just going to call. I don't, I don't know about calling audible because I think this is going to be the plan the entire time. But they're probably going to make people think Jalen Hurts is starting the entire week, then flip it up on you and have Gardner Minshew just so 
just so maybe you have a possibility of the defense uh, being thrown off on the game plan for the uh, for the Giants. That being said, Giants on the other side, they ain't playing none of their starters. They have legitimately nothing to play for. So I that that one might just be that one might just be a wash with all the all the the sitouts. I digress though. Let's look at the actual games that I think are very meaningful this week. Um, first off, we've got Titans versus Jaguars. Winner take all. I've said it before. I'll say it again here. Winner goes to the playoffs. Loser gets to sit at home and watch the other host a playoff game. This is the stakes could not get any higher. The stage could not be any bigger. They are on Saturday night. No, no conflicting college football. No, no other NFL games on. They are the only. They are the bell of the ball. I mean, you could say NBA is on, but we all saw what happened on Christmas Day. NFL is king, and I will not hear otherwise. Quite frankly, this Titans Jaguars game is going to be a fun one. I don't know. I mean, the Titans are objectively a worse team than the Jaguars, but desperate team with a great head coach and a great defensive mind in Mike Vrabel. They're going to give every last ounce of energy they have left in the tank to try and win this one on the road versus the Jaguars. This is going to be a fun one. I cannot I cannot wait to watch this game. Uh, also, Browns versus Steelers, a game I'm hand up, admittedly, not going to watch this one. That's just, just not enough offense for my, my taste, quite frankly, but... Browns versus Steelers. I laid it out before. Steelers win this one, and that's 16 straight non-losing seasons for Mike Tomlin. So, cheering for the Steelers. Think it probably goes under two. Stay tuned for picks because I think that that game is going to feature heavily, especially without a Thursday night matchup. So I got to get a little bit creative. Got two bonus picks this week. So, just a little little teaser there. Brown Steelers might feature heavily on the pick segment uh, coming up on Thursday. I guess is when that comes out, or Wednesday night, whenever I happen to edit it and get it uploaded uh i digress though jets versus dolphins um really only implications from the dolphin side also like i said qb matchup of the century mike white going down to miami to take on uh i mean the 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 gunslinger himself skylar thompson down there i mean a a name that we we've all heard in in hallowed hushed tones and in reverent tones and in, in big time NFL circles. Everyone knows who Skylar Thompson is, and everyone knows the the abilities of White Mike out there. Um, in all seriousness, though, this this could be a, a sad, sad game. <laughs> I I mean, the Dolphins. You'd think they're going to be playing desperate with their backs up against the wall. Um, they certainly played desperate last week, and the Jets are not as good as the Patriots. So, Dolphins, I guess, should be favored in this one. Dolphins don't control their destiny, though. They need to win this one definitively. They need to win this one in order to get uh, have a chance to go to the playoffs, but they've lost five straight. This, this is what happens. You, you don't control your own destiny anymore once you've lost five straight a lot of times. So it is it is what it is there. I don't know who's going to win that one, but that's that should be a... I really only include it because there's playoff implications. That one might be, might be a sad, sad matchup. Um, also, final game I want to touch on, obviously... The game of the weekend, as far as I'm concerned, as long as the stakes all end up, Lions versus Packers. If the Seahawks end up losing to the Rams, I think it is, or again, I need probably need to look up the playoff situation uh, so I actually know what it is. But that if the there's a certain set of circumstances that happen, that could happen where the Lions versus Packers is a winner-take-all match to go to the playoffs, and that is that's what I'm hoping for. That's what the NFL is hoping for. We're putting them on Sunday night. For once, a Lions versus Packers. I don't know when the last time the Lions were even on Sunday Night Football, but Lions versus Packers in a night game. Both of these teams are hot, absolutely red hot. Lions are actually the best scoring team in the entire NFC North, even better than what the Vikings have done over the past, I don't know, several weeks as the offense has come on a little bit more. 
this is going to be a fun game. I don't know who's going to win it. Um, I think the Packers have a terrible running defense, and the Lions love to run more than just about anyone in the NFC North right now. So that's just not not a recipe for good things to happen on that end. This one could end up being a shootout, could end up being a very, very fun one to end off the uh, the regular season going into the playoffs. Could not think of a better game to put on Sunday night. Cannot wait to watch that one and see how it unfolds. And hey, no conflictions on Monday night. We just get to watch the national championship for college football without any guilt whatsoever. How about that? I mean, it is la-di-da, boys and girls. It is, it is a fun day uh, to be a football fan. That being said... Uh, that's pretty much all I got for you in this one. That's that's all for this episode. If you enjoyed, subscribe. Leave a five-star rating so we can grow this bad boy a little bit. If you didn't enjoy, take that opinion to the grave. Tell no one. I mean, tell tell everyone you loved it anyways, actually, because if not, I'll find you. I'll, trust me, I'll find you. Uh, I release two episodes a week during the football season, NFL on Tuesdays, college football, plus Monday Night Football recap on Thursdays. Any additions or changes, I will let you all know as they occur. Follow me on all my socials at Caleb Verzak. Link will be in the description so you don't have to spell my fucked up Eastern block name. And if you want to contact the show, shoot me an email at unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com. Just put business or show in all caps to start the subject line so you can be categorized accordingly. And thank you so much for tuning into Unqualified Analysis. As always, I've got no clue what I'm talking about. And in lieu of a fun fact this week, I'm just bringing it back around to to, to end with what I started with, Damar Hamlin. There is a, I mean, this is a, this is a story that I think is, is just cool as hell. And I think you probably already heard about um, really since Damar Hamlin went down on the field, someone somewhere along the way, a uh, bunch of people somewhere along the way found out about Demar Hamlin's toy drive. The the initial goal was twenty five hundred dollars on GoFundMe. Um, last I checked, it was well over three million and growing. So, in lieu of a fun fact, I'm going to try and get the link to that GoFundMe. I'm going to put it down in the description. And if you want to go donate to that, that's probably the best way that you can honor Demar Hamlin right now. Give to that. Uh, give to that toy drive. If there's at the very least, with this strategy and, and everything that's going on, him being in critical condition, don't know what the future is going to hold for him, the, the least we can do is just honor this. Make something good come out of it, if nothing else. So I will put that link down in the description so you all can donate if you so please. But with that, I will see you all later. You guys have a good one. Uh, pray for good news. That's all I can say.